This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, we're on. Okay, thank you. All right, so welcome everybody. First and foremost, a very big thank you. Uh, uh, well, there's a lot of thank yous I have to go around tonight. Um, let's just explain what happened for the people that don't know what we're talking about. So we were supposed to start this class about an hour ago in a completely different location. And... Um, Somebody managed to do something to the lock that would not open up the door. So we got, you know, practically, for all practical reasons, we got locked out of our previous location. And uh, when I got the phone call, so I tried to call the rabbis, you know, in, in charge. And I wasn't able to get a hold of them. So then my whole brain was racking, okay, where else can we go? Are we going to move to a different, a different synagogue nearby? And I was thinking about making the phone calls, going here, going there. You know, Baruch Hashem, you know, uh, the rabbi got back to me and he said he had no idea why no one ever uses locks that door. So it's like something that never usually happens, just so happens, uh, you know, in this class. So, uh, but uh, we got to thank, you know, the rabbi, we got to thank BJX because we got locked out of one location, but they gave us a different location. So a very big yashar a very, very big thank you to the BJX uh, for, for letting us have not one, but two locations uh, simultaneously. Uh, then we have an additional thank you that we need to get, because now everybody had to get from point A to point B. So we want to thank the, I'm not going to answer, put it on, on, on camera, but we want to thank the, the, the assist of the driving to bring the people over here. Uh, greatly uh, you know, appreciate that. And last but not least, we thank everybody for sticking around, because otherwise, if not for you, this would not be a class. And in fact, in my mind, I was almost like, okay, fine, there's not going to be a class happening tonight. Like, who is going to stick around, go around over here? But Baruch Hashem, look at the devoted people that, um, that, that we have over here trying to thirst for the, for the Torah, for the God's Torah. It's very interesting because when you, you know, the way that it works in reward, when you learn something, anything that you do in life, the Gemara, the Chazal tells us, tell us, the harder, the more difficult something is, the greater the reward. So, this is really twofold. So number one is you're getting greater reward for just being over here, just because uh, you know you had to drive and schlep and stay a little bit later. The whole craziness, all that goes to your credit. But doubly so is if not for this, if not for you guys being here, there would not be anything. This would not have been gone online. Yeah, you know, probably would have went one week, you know, in the future. But regardless, every single view that is going to be seen in the entire virtual world for the entire history that this class is going to be on, you know, line, you're going to get part of that reward, which is something so unbelievable. I was telling a guy, I was telling somebody who was very involved in Torah anytime when recording them, and I told him, I'm like, you're very smart. Because the people that say that are speaking, okay, so they spend a lot of time, they prepare, and granted, you know, the, the reward is unbearable, the, you know, the people that are teaching Torah in public. But then there are people that go and they just assist, they just like record the classes and they post it online. So they're doing things very smart. They're getting reward for all, everything that's being watched, because if not for them, it would have been happening online. So um, there, there's a great thank you that not only I have to give, but also the entire virtual world has to give you a... Uh, well, the time virtual world that will end up watching this will have to give you, um, you know, a very big thank you for that. That being said, I, wanna, I have to share with you one, one last one story before we begin on this, on this matter. Because if I remember correctly, last class I gave some sort of similar speech also, because we also had some sort of issues. It's like happening every time. Like, look at how much I'm trying to get you guys have reward over here. Look how hard I'm trying to make sure that you're going to get the maximum benefit of these classes. Um, so you're welcome for your hardships. Um, you had a question? Okay, so now there was a story that was, uh, there was a guy who was very wealthy. 
We didn't get to the topic at hand yet. This is, uh, well, technically, was your free will to stay over here, or did you not have free will? Ah, maybe you were supposed to come here anyways. Okay, well, be, stay tuned. So, the, there was a guy who was very wealthy, and uh, he had a, a very big rabbi that was staying by his house. And the, we had visitors that were coming, and he had a very, very fancy mansion, marble floors, and Persian carpets, like the crazy, the, the most expensive stuff. Now, when he had the visitors, it, you know, it was getting, you know, it was raining, it was muddy, and people were coming in, they were trekking mud throughout the entire house, and he was going crazy, he was going crazy, and he's like, I can't believe I did this, I can't believe I did this, and he was very upset about the whole situation. That night, he goes to sleep, and in his dream, he dies. And he gets into the next world, and he is having his final judgment. He sees scary angels, he sees like the scariest stuff he sees his entire life flash right before his eyes. And as he's standing in front of judgment, it doesn't look good for him. It looks like the side of bad outweighs by far the side of good. So he is going crazy, and suddenly... When they're about to seal the judgment, they're about to close the verdict, all of a sudden, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's wagon loads of stuff that are coming in. And everyone's like, what's this? What's going on over here? And they start taking bags of mud, and they start dumping it on the scale. And they start dumping more mud and more mud on the scale. And he's like, everyone's like, what's going on over here? And the, one of the angels who was bringing the mud, it said, you know, this guy, and he allowed in his house, he allowed the rabbi to come in, and people came with their dirty food, at dirty feet, and they made everything smelly, and they made everything dirty, and it destroyed the house, and destroyed the rugs, and destroyed everything. He says, all this goes to his benefit, because it's going all, you know, people are coming to give, uh, you know, to, to ask the rabbi for advice, to give blessings, whatever it was, they're coming to honor the Torah. So, the mud was coming up and coming up until suddenly, you know, the, the good outweighed the bad. Then he wakes up. The next night, he had more visitors that come in, and it was again raining. And people were sitting, they saw how upset he was, they started rubbing his feet, and he was like, no, 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 don't rub your feet, just come in, bring all the mud, bring everything we in. Everything is relative when we look at it. When we look at it from, from today's perspective, so the class got delayed an hour. It was a big slide. You guys were standing outside, I know, for quite some time until we figured out what was going to happen. So all this is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what a waste I ate of it. But you don't understand what that's going to... It's very likely, it's possible, that all that waiting is going to be worth more than the actual learning. I guess it depends on your learning level. But at least that one you get. How do I know that? Because the, uh, the Torah tells us that uh, men get reward for walking to the synagogue. They get reward for it. And if you walk to a further synagogue, you get more reward. Now the question is why? Just say you get, Because not everybody, when you get to the synagogue, they actually pray. But to walking, that they know they do. So, so, much, so you know, everybody gets reward also on the level of, the, of how much you, you're able to uh, you know, stick around with the concepts, stay with the concepts, so, you know, listen, not space out, not on the phone. There's so many different distractions that we have. So at least you get that reward. The extra reward, the reward for coming there that you already got. But now you have the extra, all that hour, extra weight. Who knows how much that is uh, going to be. Okay, now we can begin the topic at hand. So now, it's a very important topic. This is such a, a crucial topic. And you know what I was thinking? That I always try to, to when, when there is a hard time that to get, start a class, to make a class, I always try to think, is there something related to the topic? If it's, let's say, a topic with just stories and things like that, then okay, maybe yeah, maybe not. But it's usually, when I think about it, it's usually topics that are extremely crucial to understanding Judaism. Not only that, it's extremely crucial to understanding your life and to make changes in your life. Free will, the topic that we have today, you know, Bezal Hashem will probably have to do part one and part two. The topic that we have today, I think is extremely, extremely crucial. Not only is it crucial, a lot of people have many, many questions on this. And Bezal Hashem, the plan is to answer all these questions. Uh, you know, so I, technically we have a week till the next class, so if I don't answer anything now, don't, 
be quiet, don't be silent. Send me your questions, let me know your questions, you can email me the questions, and Bezat Hashem will try to, uh, to answer this in the next class. What I want to try to capture in this, in, in this class, Bezat Hashem, is a few things. Number one, do we have free will? Number two, do some, do, does everybody have free will? Do some people not have free will? We know Paul, for example, his heart was hardened. So we see that there, according, even according to the Torah, there are some ideas that there are no free will for everybody. So who is lacking free will? Who has free will? Number three, why do we have free will? Number four, a very important question that comes up very often. If God knows the future, because God knows everything, then God knows what I'll do. So if God knows what I'll do, then I already did it, then I can't change it. So how do I have free will if God knows the future, if God knows what I already do? So I'm sort of locked into doing whatever God knows that I'm going to do. The next thing that we're going to speak about is what is the whole point of tests? Why does God test us? If God knows the outcomes, because God does know everything, knows the future, then what's the whole point of the test? And finally, two more finalies. Finally, uh, one, finally part one, this is a very important thing. Can my free will affect you? Because we're going to expand on this question. This question is, is so deep, it's so fundamental. If I have free will, can I change something that was not ordained for you? Let's say something was not pre-programmed for you. Can I do something to do that? And we'll explain this more in depth. And, and finally, for real, um, is if everything is ordained from heaven, then why should I get punished for doing something bad if it was supposed to happen anyways? If this was supposed to happen. So this is a very brief overview of what we want to deal with. If you don't understand any of those questions, either very good or very bad. Very good because you don't have questions, or very bad because uh, on me that I just didn't explain it. But bear with me, we'll explain each one of those things in, in, uh, in depth and also try to answer them very, very clearly. First of all, the question, the question we have to deal is, how do we know we have free will? According to the scientific views, the scientific view, there's something known as determinism. Determinism means that everything that pl- takes place in the universe is predetermined by a set of rules. Just like uh, you look at chemistry, you look at science, you look at math, everything has the calculations, everything has the formula, everything has a set of rules. So too human beings. Everything is pre-programmed, everything is predetermined, and there is no in easier way, easiest, I guess, verbiage that I could use, no free will. You're just, everything is just predetermined. And in fact, some philosophers go on and say that what happens is that you have conflicting ideas in your, in your brain. And you're not sure which one to do. What usually happens, the strong, I'll give you a good example. So, I don't know if anybody here stuck around, but let's say somebody came to the class. And then they realized the door was locked. And then they had a choice. Either stay for the class or leave. So they have these conflicting ideas. Should I stay? Should I leave? Whatever is stronger, according to science, that's what's going to win. Meaning that you don't have free will, and it's only an illusion according to science that you have free will. And remember, this is according to science, not according to the Torah. According to science, it's an illusion that you have free will. Why is it an illusion? Because all you know is that you have two options. But at the end, the strongest is going to win, regardless of whatever you feel. So according to science, uh, according to like many scientists and philosophers, there is uh, no free will. This is why uh, marketing is such a big thing. Because when you're going to buy something, according to, I guess, the, the marketing psychologists, it's not because it's what you want, it's because, you know, it's not because you made this decision, it's because you are pre-programmed to do it. You saw certain things, and to some extent this is true. You look at what people have and what people want, it's not because they, they need it or they want it, it's because they're told that they need to have it. So there's many things that is already pre-programmed. So according to the science perspective, free will does not exist. However, and by the way, this is something very interesting. The reason why the secular world does not like the idea of free will, because if I don't have free will, then I'm not held responsible for my action. I am not held responsible for my action. Because it wasn't up to me. If, I, if it would be up to me, if I had free will, I wouldn't have done it. So rather, according to science, it, 
the secular world, the whole thing with evolution. The whole evolution, what, why is that such a big thing, even though it makes no sense? Because it takes away accountability. And if I don't have to be, if I don't have to be held responsible for my actions, there is, I don't have to feel bad about doing something bad. We spoke about, last week, whatever it was, two weeks ago, uh, cognitive dissonance. The idea that we can't have two conflicting ideas in our, in our brain. We don't, we don't like it. We like to resolve it. So if I do something bad and I know that it's bad, it doesn't sit well with me. We have to use excuses to go and make ourselves feel bad. Now this is a great excuse. This is an excuse that covers everything. There is nothing, this is like a blank, this is like the answer C when you don't know on a test, right? You just answer, this is the blanket a- answer. We're not held responsible. Who cares? So you did something bad? Okay, to the extent people could do the worst sin. The worst sin possible that you could think of, they could do it and be like, it was predetermined. God wanted me to do this. <laughs> they're believers. They're believers of believers. They believe, 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 but God wanted me to do this sin. There are people that committed the worst, the, the worst sin, adultery, and they claim still that, yeah, God wanted this to happen. Like, no, what, yeah, where did you get that information from? But all of a sudden, if God wanted it to happen, so it's all for the best, it's not for me, I don't, you know, I, there is a way that you don't have to do tshuva anymore. There's no need for doing tshuva. But there's a problem that we have to do with that. And even before we get to the Torah, when someone does something good, do they feel good about themselves? Yes. When someone does something bad, do they feel bad about themselves? Yes. The question is why? If every, according to those people, if everything is already predetermined, then why do you feel good about doing something? Why do you have your name, you know, plastered on buildings when you give donations? Why? It's predetermined. This was already meant to happen. If you did something bad, why do you feel bad? Granted, there are some people that don't feel bad when they do something bad. Uh, generally, we call those people psychopaths. But um, for, the, for the most part, what, why, why would you feel good? Why would you feel bad? Rather, because deep down, we really know that we are held accountable for our actions. And furthermore, if, if we really, according to the scientific view, if we really don't, um, if we really don't have free will, then what makes us different than animals? You see a cheetah, right? For some reason, you're in a place that there's a cheetah, right? You're going to, you're going to Africa, you know, the, you know, the safari, which is Africa, um, and you're going in there and you're witnessing, um, you know, a cheetah, like zip through and take a baby deer. What is a baby deer called? I don't know. A doe? No. Take, take a baby deer. Um, they, they go and they run and they, they find Bambi. Bambi has the biggest eyes, you know. Bambi was literally singing to her children, um, tucking them in. And out of nowhere, cheetah, um, this huge cheetah comes in and just in front of the children, traumatizing the children, just rips off Bambi's head. Um, and there's blood everywhere and the cheetah devours this bat. Should we go in a little bit more detail? There are limbs that are veins. Everything is, and people are watching this. Are they going to say like, look at this murderous cheetah. This unbelievable, can you believe this cheetah? In front of the children, nonetheless, you should lock him up. Lock up the cheetah for life. No one's going to think about that. What, what are people going to do? People are going to be like, oh, that's so sad. And they're just going to walk away. Now imagine that same scenario, not a cheetah. There's a man. I'm going to not paint this picture as much as I did over there. And there's a woman putting her babies to bed. And a man comes in and does exactly what the cheetah did, you know, for the man. And if you think this doesn't happen, it does happen. It happens in Israel. It happens, you know, for the, what, what the terrorists do in, literally in the homes of Jewish people. And they do that and they destroy this, this person's life in front of the children. If you don't believe that the human beings have free will, then why do you punish murderers? Why do you go? Why are they held accountable if all it is is just chemicals that's going in? Now, granted, okay, I'm taking extremes of cases, but it, we have to understand that there is, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a direction that we have to go over here. The, 
you look at a you look at the you know an animal. An animal it can make choices. It can say, I want to eat this, I don't want to eat this. I want to go to sleep, I want to it, it can make certain choices, but these are not moral choices. You've never heard of uh, well, you never heard of an animal because you don't speak to animals. Uh but you've never seen an animal be like, you know, I'm not eating today's. I'm fasting. I had a huge lunch the other day. Looks in the mirror, I'd be like, it's not going to look good for me. I'm not going to be able to get into my leash. Uh, I barely walk now. You know what? I'm fasting today. I'm doing a cleanse, right? Green vegetables only, please. You don't see that by, by, you don't see that by animals because animals don't have that moral capability to make those choices. Humans do. So we see there is a difference between humans and animals. But yet, according to the scientific view, there, in essence, there is really no difference if you're saying either one doesn't have any, any, uh, uh, free will. Then people go and they say, okay, but animals experience emotions. Dog can be happy. It sees its owner and it's very happy. That's true that it's happy, but it's not happy because of its moral, you know, you know, things that it has done. It's happy because of the situation. It's happy because of X, Y, and Z. That's not free will. That's just X plus Y equals Z. That's literally chemical. That's literally the, the scenario, um, of just nature just happening. So, we see over here that there is a very, very big difference between humans and animals. This also makes sense when you think about it. You know how this world is turning into a world that people would save the puppies over save the, um, the babies. Thank you. Uh, you know what? I, you know, I was lost in the chain of mind because I was trying to think of something. Um, and there was something that said this like this. Does anybody know where there are animal shelters? Yes. Yeah. They're all over the place, right? There are signs for them. Anybody know where there are orphanages? It says, why do we know? Why does everybody have... Um, know where the animal shelters are, but no one knows where the orphanages are. You know why that, you know why animals get adopted? Well, okay, granted it's a little bit easier than having a child, um, especially not your child, but when you think about it, it's much easier to have, you know, animals adopted now than humans uh, are adopted. And granted it should be that way, but it should not be easier that they should be more knowledgeable, like everybody should have over there. You have, the world is, is so infatuated with the animals to the extent that it's almost as close as humans, and people would go, if someone has money to donate, there are people that are going to donate to animal shelters, to all these things, over starving homeless people that don't have food to feed their children. Now, in what mindset can that be right? In what in what life cycle can that be right? Now, granted, okay, you want to give a dollar here, a dollar there, there, but there are people that give tremendous amount of money to, to these things. There are people that treat their dogs. They build castles for the dogs. If I'm not mistaken, there was one celebrity... Um, I think I know who it was, but I don't want to say because I don't want to, you know, chas shalom say a wrong thing about a wrong celebrity. Um, after all, this is not, uh, what is that, People Magazine. So, um, or whatever the gossip ones, I don't know what they're called. So, uh, but there was a celebrity that built a $300,000 doghouse for her uh, for her dog. Now, okay, you do whatever you want with your money, but it brings you to a certain understanding of what's important in someone's life. Like, really, is humans and animals really on the same level or sometimes even more? Obviously not. One of the reasons is, is because humans have so much more of a moral capability than, the, than do animals. Now, when we think about, yeah, well, I yeah. The, the orphanage thing, but like the thing with humans and animals, like, well, they have for animals as well. There's a foster system. That's why like in America there's not like a house where it's an orphanage. Like I know a woman who's constantly fostering, fostering, and then adopts her children. Right. I think, isn't there a difference? Like, people are taking on... Well, I'll, I'll, maybe I could explain it this way. Like, a house where, like, have, Annie is... Where, right. You know. Have you ever seen a commercial for, like, we need people to adopt this child? Not adopt. There's, like, the foreign children who, like, need, you know... Yeah, for a dollar seventy-five, you could yeah, feed little things. Chimpabwe for seven years. But I'm saying, but, like, the... But the idea is, is, like, you know, even if when you do that... They're not 
necessarily advertising like someone adopts a child, someone adopts an animal. Like they're saying, right? Contribute to maintaining their well-being. But I think the point, right? So the point, the point, right? So what you're saying is correct. So, the, but the point I think is pretty much, you know, is pretty much still stand steady that. There's a lot of emphasis on animal life over human life in a certain extent. Not not per se, but in a certain in a certain area. If you could put it that way, there are people that go and they treat animals better than humans. Now I don't know how I got in. This was not intention of mine to get into this, uh, um, you know, PETA convention. But um, it is um, whatever. We got there. Now we're leaving. So uh, all right. So yeah. The but the idea is also that if we if we deny free will. Then how are we better than robots? We're really not. If we don't have free will, then you're just like a robot programmed to do something and that's it. And if we don't have free will and we're just like robots, then what is the purpose of all this? And some people would say there's no purpose. Right, you're right. That's it. We're just like robots and there's no purpose. And that is a very, very sad way to live life. I don't know how a person can be happy at all in their life if they just think they're pre-programmed. And they're just like moving around and just like a robot, like just doing things that they think that they need to. Besides the fact that Judaism itself, it's based on free will. Any religion has to be based on free will. Any normal religion has to be based on free will. Any real religion, okay, whatever, I think you have the one. Uh, it has to be based on free will. Why? Because there's no such thing as reward. You can't reward or punish somebody if they don't have free will. The whole Torah is void if there's no free will. There's nothing that, the, and nothing makes sense. That It's so essential, this question, that if you don't have an understanding of this question, then there is no point of anything. There really is no point of anything. So, there is, before we actually, you know, tackle on the idea of free will, there are some, there are some people that do not have free will. The Rambam, in the laws of the Chagiga offering, in the second chapter of the fourth halacha, says that a deaf mute, a mentally, and a mentally incompetent person and a minor, they do not have free will. To the extent that they do not have free will, says the Gemara Baba Bakama, page 87a, that people that do not have free will are not obligated to pay restitution in case they damage. Which means this, if you have a deaf mute, a, um, a mentally disabled person, or a child that goes and damages something, they are exempt from payments. Okay, granted, their owner, whatever, their, their father, we're not going to get into that, but they themselves are exempt from payments. However, if somebody damages them, you are required to pay them. And so much so, says the Prima Gadim, in the introduction to the Shulchan Aruch, said that the individuals, these types of individuals, do not receive any punishment for their transgression. They don't have free will, they cannot, and they are not held liable for their, for their uh, transgression. Meaning that anybody else of sound mind is held liable for their, uh, for their transgression. Okay, so there's also a question that is asked, then, why did God create these people? What are the purpose of people that don't, well, minors, we know there's a thing, but there's, you know, deaf-mute, they're you know, mentally disabled, what is the purpose for them? So the Chazon Ish used to go, and when he saw a mentally disabled person, he would stand up for them. Why? Because it said that these people have very, very holy souls, that they're coming in this world to just fix one little tiny thing. And because of that, they either they didn't want it or God didn't give it to them, given them the option to have the ability to mess anything up. So they cannot, if they're coming down as mentally disabled, they can't, they can't mess anything up. They could only gain from it. So because of that, they, uh, you know, they're very holy and they can't mess anything up. And that's why you have even people that do not have free will, do not have to, do not get punished for the transgression. They're still in this, uh, they're still in this world. Okay. Now let's let's try to tackle the next uh, the next question. The next question we have is why do we have free will? The Ramchal goes and says something uh, which is you know noted in, in you know Kabbalah that the whole purpose of us being over here is not for this world. Its purpose is for the next world, and we get reward for the next world. If God would have created a system that we would have just been in the next world, then we would sort of gotten you know it's called the bread of shame. You're just getting the handouts. 
and you can't enjoy it properly. If the greatest thing to do, the greatest, uh, the purpose of creation is to get the greatest pleasure. The great, the way to get the greatest pleasure is to earn it. You earn, you you enjoy what you earn more than what you get as a free as a free gift. So, says the Ramchal. God put us down in this world, had to give us free will. Now that we have free will, now we have the ability to choose between right and good. And when we choose good, then we'll be able to reap the benefits, the rewards, all that more so. Like you can't even compare from what we, the reward that we have when we have free will for the reward that we have if we don't have free will. So that is reason number one. Reason number two, Rabbi Kiva Tatz explains that uh, the, the, one of the greatest th- things, the greatest connection, the greatest pleasure they can have in this world is to have a connection with God. The connection with the Almighty. Now, in order to have, if you, if you break down the, you know, two roots to all human functions, you could break it down into two things. Love and fear. Now fear, you can force fear on somebody else. And in fact, fear is usually forced on the other person. But love, you cannot force, you cannot force someone to love you. You cannot force someone to love anything. The only way to love, to, for someone to love something is it has to be based off their free will. And if we have to have a relationship with God, it has to be based, you know, the, the highest relationships, obviously a, ba- a relationship based of love. There has to be an essence of free will of us wanting to do that. Think about, think about a relationship between you and your spouse. So, if you're forced in that, you can't properly love that. In order to have the highest connection that you possibly can, it has to be based on your choice. I want to be here. If you don't want to be here, then you're already, the, the, the relationship is already fallen. And this is also true in Judaism. There are some people that they're just Jews at, by cause they're just Jews. And if you ask them, if you had a choice that you would be able to start over and you could either check instead of being Jew, you could check non-Jew or Gentile. Um, you know, you have Caucasian, you have Asian, Jew, Gentile. You have a box that you can check off. Would you check off the Jew or you would check off the non-Jew? And if people would go and they say non-Jew, that means that they're not here based out of love. They might be here based out of fear. They might be indifferent, but they're definitely not here out of love, which means that they're not practicing Judaism correctly. They're not practicing Judaism the right way, the, the, you know, the most optimal way. So in order to have a relationship, in order to build a relationship with God, you have to have uh, free will. Furthermore, in order to build a relationship, relationships are built off shared values. You ask anybody that comes back from a date, what do they usually say? Like, we have so much in common. Who cares? Like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, well, okay, fine. What do you, you know, like, but that, that's, you need it, because when you have shared values, you can, shared values, you can connect. Now, the, and that's why the Gemara in Sota, page 14a says that, how does one attach him to God? By imitating his, his attributes. By imitating God, by sharing the same values, that's how we're able to attach ourselves to God. Now, we know that God, first of all, God is a giver. God we know is a giver. In order for you to be a giver, you have to want to do it from based off your free will. Once you have the ability to do that, then you can also attach yourself to God. Also, we know that God has free will. God has the ability to choose what God wants to do. Now, in order to have the similar, you know, uh, the shared values, we also, to some extent, have to have, um, have to have some sort of level of independence. This also brings us into, into, uh, um, you know, the idea of honor. We know that hakol baralechvodol. Everything that God created, God created for His honor. How do you honor somebody? Can you force somebody to honor you? You can. Dictators try to do it. But it's fake. It's not real honor. You don't, honor stems from love and fear or awe. Uh, in order to have the fear and the awe, yeah, you could kind of force that. You can't honor somebody. You can't love somebody. That honor has to have an essence of love. And if you don't have that free will, there's no way to honor somebody. So the whole Judaism, the whole, the whole essence, everything was created for His glory, it falls apart. It's a necessity. It's a must that you have this, uh, this uh, free will. Okay. So far so good? Okay. That was an introduction. Okay. So now the, 
Now we have to have, this is one of the most uh, famous questions that I get when I'm dealing with free will. The question is like this, and we've mentioned this before, but let's try to explain it. If God knows the future, how do I have free will? So let's explain that question. So let's say Mr. A was going to go and rob Mr. B of $1 million. Now, Mr. A goes and say, listen, did God know that I would rob Mr. B? Yeah. Did God want it to happen? Must be, because otherwise, how could a guy do something that God doesn't want? So not only that, God knew that I was going to do it. It was in the future already. So I had to do it because I already did it. So it must be that I had to do it. Do you understand that, that, uh, that verbiage I used? So if God, now, now this is where, this is where the question could really be split into two, but let's, let's focus on one. How can I have free will if God knows what I'm going to do? That is the essence of the question. If God knows what's going to happen in the future, how do I have the free will? This is a question that I get asked again and again and again. So let's give a few answers. First of all, Rav Yagon goes and says, the fact that God knows what the choices will be, and he has the knowledge of that, that is not the cause of those choices. He knows in advance what's going to happen that's irrelevant of what's going to be. Put that on the side, we'll explain it in more detail. Before we go, we're going to give you probably three answers. The third answer, you're going to probably love the, both, the best. But before we get into that, let's go into answer number two, the answer of the, the Rambam. The Rambam in Hilchotshuva, the fifth parak, the fifth halacha. He goes like this and says that God knows if a righteous person is going to be righteous, right? Right. He's going to know a wicked person is going to be wicked, right? Right. No one's shaking their head. Okay. Um, so, it says the Rambam, if somebody's going to be righteous, then he cannot be not righteous. If somebody's supposed to be wicked, then he cannot not be wicked. So where is the free will? The Rambam goes and says something like this. So whenever I learned this, I, I never understood it until I learned it in depth, and then I understood it. The Rambam says like this, and I'm going to read it in one sentence in Hebrew. Da, no, she'tshuvat she'elazu, that the answer for this question, its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Which means that if you, if you keep on writing and writing and writing on this thing, you will not be able to comprehend the depth of this question. The, and the, when, when you, when I was learning in this in depth, when I realized how true what this Rambam statement is, and I believe this, I believe really this, the smarter that you are, the more difficult this question is going to be to you. The more intelligence, the more that you can grasp this question, that you don't realize how this is a serious question. Because if God has the future, if God knows the future, then the future is supposed to happen already. If the future is supposed to happen already, then how do I have free will to change anything? It was supposed to happen this way. So, the Rambam goes and answers and says that, you know, human knowledge is not comparable even to the slightest with God knowledge. And, it, you know, there's the, 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 you have an Exodus, chapter 33, verse 20. It says, No man can perceive God and live. You cannot understand God. And we know in Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 8, it says, Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. We cannot comprehend God. Why cannot we comprehend God? First of all, we know that God exists above time. That in itself we can't comprehend. We can't comprehend something. We live in, ta- in, in space and matter, time, space and matter. We cannot understand, we cannot comprehend something that exists out of that. Your greatest imagination, you cannot begin to fathom what does it mean not to have time? What does it mean to have infinite? What is it? It's something, and not only that, we know that the, the name for God, Yudke Vavke, is, you know, He was, He is, and will be. That's why the letters are, are made that way. God, sees the, there's no past, present, or future because God is with a, with not bound to time. So God sees the past, your future is God's present. Your past is God's present. God sees everything in one snapshot. So can we comprehend that? If we cannot comprehend that, then how can you begin comprehending the fact that God can know the future and you still have free will to do it? We can't even become, begin to comprehend the, the, the depth of, of understanding God. Uh, Rabbi Finger explained in, in one of his uh, books and he says like this and he says, 
you're on a train station and you're in, okay, so let's say you're an Avenue J stop. So you're an Avenue J stop, but let's say you go to King's Highway stop. You're not an Avenue J, you're not an Avenue M, you're not in Newkirk, you're not in anything else. You're only where you are right now. And you could only see where you are right now. Now imagine there was a helicopter hovering above the Q train and the helicopter could see, you know, J, it could see M, it could see King's Highway, it could see Avenue H, it could see everything. It could present everything. So where we are on our life, we're on the train. That's what we see it. We see only where we are. But God is like on that helicopter. He sees everything. He sees all the stops. Everything that goes on to it. Now, because God's going to be see the future, it does not mean you still have the free will. That, uh, you know, and, and if you could explain the Rambam a little bit more. Let's say, um, you know, let, let's, let's, uh, the Rambam is so brilliant that he not only does he not answer the question, he negates the question. It's not a question. Why? Because you don't understand. Like, how can you ask a question about something you don't understand? It's a brilliance of the Rambam, Maimonides. But okay, let's go on to the Ravet, the, the Ravet's answer. The, um, and I, I, this is, I think, one of the easiest ones to comprehend. Astro- let's say you have an astronomer. Astronomer, an astrologer, guy who looks at the stars for the of the future. One's, you know, I don't know, one's a scientist, the other one's wearing a robe and has a big hat and, you know, probably a wand. Um, so, uh, well, actually, no, there's a science behind it. So, they go and they predict the future. They predict the future to such accuracy and it happens. Did his knowledge of predicting the future change the person's free will to do whatever he predicted? The answer is no. He just read the signs very well. And I'll give you an example like this. Let's say you study somebody, like to an extent that no one has ever studied that person in history. The, the person needs to go and buy a, buy a car, buy an expensive item. And you study how much money they have, how much their history of their spending, what is their likes, what's their dislikes, what type of car they've been searching for, everything that goes on in them, what colors like, leather, the options. You study this person inside and out. And then you go and you make a prediction. This person is going to buy this car and it's going to be in this color. It's going to be this make, this model. And this person goes and buys it. Did you, you know, alter this person's free will? Did you make that person buy the car? The answer is no. You knew based on your information. So God knows you better than you know you. So God knows you what's going to happen before you even know what's going to happen because God knows you so well. But the way that I, the easiest way, and this is when people ask me this question, this is the way that I always answer it, and I feel this is one of the strongest answers. Somebody goes and uh, robs the mini-mart. And uh, what I do is a day prior to this, I have a time machine. Because, you know, I know people. And um, I go in this time machine and I go to the future, to the next day. And I witness this entire mini-mart be, been robbed. And then I go back to the present. And then I am sitting right outside the mini-mart. And I go to somebody next to and I'll be like, I bet you a hundred bucks. Well, I can't do that. Okay, trust me, this mini-mart is going to get robbed in five minutes. And in five minutes on the dot, I show them the timer, on the dot, it gets robbed. Did I alter the free will of anybody involved in that? That's it, but I knew the future. I knew the future. If I, that means over, that means over here that I can know the future and yet I do not change any of your free will. You still have 100% free will of what you did even though that I knew the future. So we begin, we can begin understanding that there is a possibility of knowing the future without actually, um, without actually altering the, you know, the free will. The Rabbi Khan Wasserman goes and explains like this. And he says that a person sitting at gunpoint is liable if he would sin anyways, which means that somebody sticks a gun in someone else's head and says, I want you to um, bow down to this idol. And he doesn't, he bowed down to the idol. Now, if that person wanted to do that, would have sinned anyways, he is liable for that. If he wouldn't have, 
he would not have been liable for that. And let's explain that. That's a little bit of a hard concept to, to do. Rabbi Kiva Tax explained this very, very uh, beautifully. So let's say you have a chip implanted in your brain. And um, this chip, let's say I can control it. And I can control your choices. And I want you to make a specific choice. And you're, you know, let's say the choice is like this. You could either go right and left. Let's make it very simple. You either want to go right or left. And I want you to go right. And you have a dilemma. Where should you go, right or left? Now, I'm going to wait to see what your choice is going to be. And I can manipulate it. I can push a button and you're going to go right where I want it, where, right where I want to. Or, you know, I don't push it and then you have the free will. Now, let's say I don't push the button, but you, on your own free will, you went right. The fact that I had the ability to change your free will, did that change your, did that change your, uh, your decision? Did I change your free will? I didn't push the button, but I had the ability to. Do you still have the free will to do that? Are you held liable for the thing that you did? Anybody here? Right. Welcome everybody to our class night. Uh, welcome all our Torah time viewers. Uh, yeah. Okay, over here. Right. Well, that's a little bit of a deeper thing. That's a little bit of a deeper thing. The idea is like this. The idea is that even if I can manipulate your future, but I didn't, but the fact that I could have, but I didn't, does that change your accountability? You did. No, it doesn't, because you did it on your own free will, even though I had the ability to do that. So. Ah, well, we'll see. We'll see if, if you know, if that happens. Um, so, how did, this is something very bad. This, this class is a little bit of a philosophical class, I guess, if you can may, you know, like thinking about life, right? It's one of the things that you do like this. So, um, uh, you know, so, but this is something that's, let, let's bring this into a practical, uh, you know, um, understanding. Something beautiful over here. The Rambam says something like this, that if somebody goes and if somebody points a gun to somebody else's head and says, I want you to bow down to this idol, and the guy says, halakhically, you're not allowed to bow down to the idol. So there's three sins that you rather, it's, you're supposed to die rather than to violate that sin. What are they? Number one is murder, which means that someone points a gun to someone else's head and says, I want you to murder this person or I'm going to murder you. You're not allowed to murder that person. Number two is immorality, and number three is idolatry. Now let's say a guy points a gun and says, I want you to go and bow down to this idol and serve this idol. And you know what you need to do, but you're like, I can't die, I can't. And you end up just doing it. Are you held liable? You're not. You're not held liable because you did it under duress. It's not, you know, you, you weren't, you're not, you didn't, you didn't sin voluntarily. However, and this, by the way, the Rambam, you can look in the fundamentals of the Torah for the fifth chapter, the fourth halacha, and the sixth halacha also. But let's say a little bit of a different scenario. Somebody has a very lethal illness. And the only way they could get cured by this illness is only by doing one of these three cardinal sins. And they go and they do this cardinal sin. Are they going to be held liable? The answer is yes. Now the question is why? Both scenarios, they sort of were forced to do something. They, you know, they were forced to do it. So why, if you are putting a gun to someone else's head, they're not held liable. But if the person did it at their own, you know, their own reason because they wanted to save themselves, they both reason they're trying to get out of death. That's the, the bottom line. They're both trying to get out of death. One is liable, one is not. So the difference is, is because where was your choice? When somebody put a gun to somebody else's head and says, I want you to bow down to this idol, and that person did it, he didn't want to bow down or she didn't want to do the sin. But when someone goes and someone has a, a uh, sin in front of them that they need to do to save their life, it's their choice to do it. They weren't, they were forced, not by, they weren't forced, they, they were sort of put into a, a corner that needed to be doing, but they weren't forced to do that. That was their own free will, that choice to do, so that chose to do, uh, to make, to make that sin. And this is how we understand. Does that make sense? See some blank faces. Let me explain. This is how we can understand the, um, the Purim. We know in, in, in Purim, the Gemara in Shabbat, page 88a, says, Kimu Mashi Kiblu The Jewish people accepted the Torah 
what they like they never accepted it before. What that means is that the when when God gave us the Torah originally and Har Sinai, He literally put a mountain over our head and be like, "Hey, do you want this? Uh, if not, I'm gonna you know you're gonna be buried over here." I'll be like. Okay, we'll take it. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, so like, we took it under duress. Can we hold liable? We took it under duress. So, I came Purim. Purim, we, we, we went and we accepted the whole Torah out of, that we wanted it. And that's why the Gemara says, But the question is, Purim, they're also under duress. Haman was going to kill them. They were also under duress. So what's the difference between the, what, what happened on Halsinai and what happened with, by Purim? Do you understand the question? The answer is, the answer is beautifully. Because by... Putting a mountain over their head, God was basically forcing them. You must do it, and you have no other option. By Purim, did Haman say, hey, I'm only going to kill you, only if you're going to keep the Torah? No. The Jewish people, yeah, they were put in a corner, but they chose. It was their own free will to do it, to, to decide that. Granted, it was still by, the, it was still like death, you know, in the air. If you can, you know, the scent of death was still there. But the real choice, the free will was really in them. So that is what the, the that is the idea of Kimu Masha So now, question. You're asking what are the liable levels? The, the, where where were they held liable for accountable for their accountability for what they you know for the sins that they did? Very good question. <laughs> Has a lot of uh, digging. They obviously did held liable. They were still liable for what they did, but it obviously was a it was a different level. It was a different level. Uh, but again, a very good, excellent question. Um, so. So now, does that answer me? So we, we asked the question, how can we have free will if God knows the future? Are you guys all comfortable with that answer? I think you should be very comfortable with that answer. So much so that if someone goes and be like, well, yeah, you believe in free will. Well, if God has a future, you'll just, you know, you'll just like take that out of there and be like, guess what? I have three bullets in here. You know, let's play Russian, whatever it's called. You know, like which one? Russian or left? Which one you want? Because I'll, yeah, because now you got, okay, so now you have that answer. Now we have to de- deal with another um Another question, and that question is... Oh, we're doing good on time. Okay, well, technically not, but from when we started, we're going to back. Okay, so the, the question is, is that why does God test us? God knows the future. So if God knows the future, what's the whole point of putting us through the test? And the answer is, and the Rambam, um, and, the Rambam and, and Maimonides, Rambam, if you want to look at it in, in the Guide for the Perplex, and Nachmanides goes in, actually in, in many places, if you look in Bereshit chapter 22, verse 1, the reason why God tests us is not because God doesn't know what's going to happen. God knows if you're going to succeed or fail. But God tests us, not for us, but not for, not for Him, but for us. We get to realize our potential when we get tested. We get to realize what we can accomplish when we're tested. So when we get tested, it's for us and not, and not rather, uh, for God. Okay, that was just a small question I wanted to sneak in there. But let's go on to the, the, the this is, this is, he knows if you're gonna pass or not. Mm-hmm. So it's like this, like I heard another rabbi worded it like he wouldn't have put you in that situation if he didn't think you would. Make it Any test, excellent, yes, yes, thank you for bringing that up. Any test that you get placed in, you have the ability to pass. Anything that you, because otherwise you wouldn't be put in that situation. But he knows if you're going. But yep. Well, like, you got to pass and fail. Right. I feel right. Like certain tests, you're like, I'd rather just not know my potential. Yeah. And that's why we ask for not to be tested. We ask for not to be tested. We, do, we don't want to be tested. But if we, you know, and, and you know, we rather not. We rather just like, you know, do what we need to do the easiest way. You know, like, you don't, re- people, when they, you know, people realize their strength in the Holocaust. But no one wants the Holocaust to realize their strength. So, the, the idea is you don't want to be tested, but it's not our choice, <laughs> you know? That's not our free will. We'll soon get to see what we have, the ability for our free will. Okay, so now, wow, thank you very much. Oh, Unbelievable. Okay. <laughs> Whatever's in the fridge will be fine. Thank you. So, um, 
Let's go on to another very, very important, but this is a, this is a fundamental question. This is also an amazing question. Oh, this question is sick. Uh, questions like this. Can my free will affect you? Now, we have to understand the depths of this, of this question also. The, um, I understand that I have free will, so I could reap the consequences of my actions. So if I do something good, that will be my consequence. If I do something bad, I have to suffer for that consequences. But why should my free will make you suffer? Which means, is, let's say, can, can somebody kill somebody that wasn't meant to die? Can somebody steal something that wasn't meant to be stolen? Now, this question is a lot more difficult than you think about it. Why? Because let's look at it from two angles. Number one, in order for me to have pure free will, I have the ability to do whatever I want. I have to have the ability to rob, steal, do good, do bad. It doesn't matter. Whatever I want, I have the ability to do it. Now, if I cannot do something to you, that lessens my free will. That means I have free will in some areas, but some areas I don't have free will. So that means is, do I really have free will? If then, let's take this, uh, you know, if, let's take this a step further. If everything was supposed to happen, was supposed to happen at, now I have to be careful because you can't have the question too much stronger that you won't, you know, that, that, that you won't realize the answer. But, but we, you have to understand the depth of this question. If let's say everything was supposed to happen, is, is going to happen, then I am not changing anything. Which means is, anything that I was supposed to happen to you, you are going to happen that any, which means is, can we make any real effect in the world? Can we make any real change in the world? If I, if everything that's supposed to happen is going to happen, then I can't make any real effect, any change in the world, because it was supposed to happen already. But then how do I have free will if I can't do it? Maybe you're the one who's supposed to make that change. It's supposed to happen. Okay, but then I don't have the free will, then I was supposed to do it. So it, whichever way you look at it, thank you, whichever way you look at it, it, it becomes very problematic. Thank you. In one aspect, in one aspect, thank you very much. Uh, in one aspect, you could look at it, and um, you could say, either my free will is limited, or not everything is automatically ordained. There's something that has to give over here. Now you realize these are two fundamentals in Judaism. We can have one of these pillars fall down. It's a very, very serious question. Do you understand the seriousness of this question? Is it clear? Do I have to make any more examples? No, we're okay. Okay, so the... In order to understand this, let's, we have to go back to, to a class we did a while back on evil eye. The question is like this. The question is, can evil eye harm you? And we know that, well, to a certain extent for certain people, yes, it can harm you. Now the question is, how? If something, if you get judged on Rosh Hashanah, for the entire year, everything that's going to happen is judged on Rosh Hashanah. So what is the evil eye going to help? They could do an evil eye from today to tomorrow. If it was ordained and already decreed on Rosh Hashanah that it's supposed to happen, then it will happen. If it wasn't, it's not going to happen. Evil eye, shmevil eye, doesn't matter. It, ordained it's going to happen, or not ordained it's not going to happen. So what is evil eye? In fact, what is anything? Why do we even try anything? Everything is supposed to happen, it's, supposed to, it's going to happen already. So the Chazanish goes and explains like this. He says that if somebody is, let's say, um, decreed that he's not going to die this year, you could give the strongest evil eye in your arsenal, nothing's going to happen to that person. If that person's supposed to live, that person's going to live. You cannot change that. But there is something, there is also, there's an, there's an aspect that, let's say someone was meant to die. And it's not the, it wasn't written how he was supposed to die. He could die this way, he could die that way, he's just written that he's supposed to die. So that evil eye could go and kill that person. But so far, that's not so scary. Okay, fine. So if it was supposed to happen, it's supposed to happen. But says the Chazanish something very scary. It says something like this. It says that there are some people that when God writes an Rosh Hashanah, sort of leaves an open book. That if they have the schut, then the evil eye won't affect it. If they don't, which means this, somebody could die even if it wasn't decreed that they were going to die. If it, so you have to look at it like this. If it was decreed that a person's going to die, he's going to die. If it was decreed that a person was not going to die, he's not going to die. But sometimes... 
it's, you know, it's like this person will underline, fill in the blank. You know, you get to, you know, fill in the blank. It, it really depends. It depends on your merit. It depends on what's going to be. That type of person who doesn't have everything already decreed, that type of person, an evil eye can have a very strong effect on that person to the extent that it could kill that person. But we don't know. We don't know if we are, what, you know, what we're destined. So hence, we are, you know, this is why we get the, you know, we, we have to be weary of the, of the, of the evil eye. So now we have to understand something like this. The, listen to the, maybe I could, this sentence if I could, I'll, I'll read it over here. All events in the world occur in the world with divine permission. But not all events occur because God decrees them in the first insta- instance. Do you understand what, you know, what, let's, let's, let's explain that. Let's explain something. It's a very, very philosophical class. It's a very deep class. Um, so you have to bear with me a little bit. Um, everything that's going to happen must happen in a way that God allows it to happen. But not everything did God say that it should happen this way. Now, that's going to blow people's mind, especially for the people that are like, from a certain sect, I can't really you know, say that everything is supposed to happen like this. Well, yes and no. And we're going to answer for both of them. So for everybody who got really angry right now inside, bear with me. We'll you know, appease your uh, anger uh, shortly. Because, but we have to understand, we have to understand this, uh, this concept. We have some sources for this. In Shmuel Bet, chapter 24, verse 14. It says like this, and we say this in Tachnun. King David said to God, You know, King David was saying, said to God, he said, listen, he says, I don't want, let us fall into the hands of God because he's merciful, but not into the hands of man, let us not fall into it. And there's commentaries, I mean, David first of all explains that God can show mercy, man will not show mercy. And Pnei Yeshua says that if you had, a, if there was an option of famine or war, and you had to choose one, choose famine because that's in God's hand. And God has, has more mercy. The question is, what does it make a difference? If everything is preordained, what's supposed to happen? Why are we basing off, what's the difference, mercy or not mercy? The answer is over here, we see that King David rather be fall in the hands of, of God and not to the hands of, of man. Meaning that humans are dangerous far more than we can begin to imagine. We, humans have the ability to go and to change something that was not necessarily decreed. You, which means that so strong is your ability of the free will is that you could put someone in a situation that they weren't supposed to be in that situation. Now granted, God allowed it to be in that situation, but it wasn't decreed that they should have been that way. That's the level of, the, of free will that you have. It's so scary to think that we could, we have some real change in the world. Now let us, let us explain this more. Bear with me with this. This is something you have to stick with me, or this is probably how we're gonna, you know, close the, you know, the class and the, you know, to, to understand this in a very, very clear way. The Orchheim goes and explains this in the way of, of the sale of, of, of Joseph to his brothers. The brothers were, were, you know, Joseph was a dreamer. He dreamed, he said the brothers are gonna bow down to him, people are gonna go and bow down. And the brothers were convinced that uh, these are all fabrications. He's a lie. That's not going to happen. So what did they decide to do? What they were going to do is they were going to kill him. Now, if they kill him, then they're able to kill him. That means that no one's going to bow down to him. If no one's, that's going to prove that his dreams are false. So by killing him, because if they are able to kill him, then it must be that his dreams are not going to be are, are going to be false. But Rufin went and stepped forward and says, "No, no, 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 no." He says, "Let's not kill him. Let's throw him into the pit." And put him in the pit with with wild animals, with scorpions and snakes over there. He got thrown into the pit. Now, why did Reuven change it from murdering them to put him in the pit? That's almost a also you know death sentence. You're going in there with you know you don't you know I know people do this for money, um, but you should not be going into a place where there are scorpions and snakes, especially when they're hungry. You can't expect you to get out of, you know to get out alive. So Reuven, you know what Reuven, you know how Reuven was explaining this, how Reuven understanding it says Arachim, human beings have free will. Meaning to the extent that the brothers would have had the ability to kill Yosef if it wasn't really destined for him to die. And we'll explain this. But humans have free will. Do animals have free will? 
No. Which means is if we put him in the pit with animals, then we could really see if his dreams are going to be true or are not going to be true. Because by us humans, we could change it. It doesn't mean that his dreams are false. But if we put him in the pit, and now it's all in the hands of the animals. The animals don't have free will. The animals don't have free will. So then we could really see if, the, if, his, uh, if, if, you know, if his dreams are coming true and dreams are not. That's why it says over here in Genesis chapter 37 verse 22, What did it say that God, that, that, that Ruven saved Yosef from their brothers, Adam, from the hands? What hands? From the hands of free will. He saved them because only human beings have free will. So he saved them from the free will. Now, we see over here that free will has very, very serious consequences in this, in this, uh, in this world. So much so that a human can put somebody in a situation of danger that it wasn't ordained, for, that it wasn't originally planned for that person to be. However, if that person gets out of that danger, that depends on that person's merit. Now let's explain that. The Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky goes and says like this. It says a person cannot be killed without heavenly decree, but against human free will, one needs more merit to be saved. You need more merit to be saved for this. Now, then, it's, in order to understand this, even to a, a completely different level of clarity, clarity that I'm telling you, this is going to blow your mind. Then it says like this. Ruvain realize that you need personal merit to be saved. So Yosef would be, you know, very likely, maybe he had the merit to be saved from the animals who don't have any free will. And this is in essence what Yaakov Avinu thought. Yaakov Avinu, when he sent Yosef to his brother, he sent him to Shechem. Shechem is a very dangerous place. There's a history going on in Shechem, right? There was not good stuff going on. He sent him to a very dangerous place. So he knew that Yosef, now that's why he picked specifically Yosef, because he felt that Yosef would have the power, the spiritual, you know, uh, you know, defense system, that he has enough merit to prevent that from, from anything bad from happening with him. That's why in Genesis chapter 37 verse 33, it says when they brought him the coat and they said that he was eaten up by a wild animal, what did, what did Yaakov Vinu says? Tarof taraf Yosef. Yosef was eaten but torn, but it says twice. What does it say twice that he was torn? Because number one, that he was killed. But you know what? He was torn. He was torn because he thought that he had the spiritual, he was on a spiritual level that he would have the merit not to be beaten, not to be destroyed by an animal. Because he should have been on a high. He should have had the merit to avoid that. But now that he didn't have the merit, Taraf Taraf Yosef. Yosef was now, now this would trouble Yaakov so much. Not only that he, that his son died, but the son didn't have the merit to be saved from an animal. Because that's something that you have to be saved from free will. So we have to understand this, that when the, when the, the, when someone gets placed in a situation, the free will will allow that person to place them in that situation. And you could be placed in a situation you weren't meant to be. How will you get out? That depends on your merit. If you have the merit, then you can go out. This, we under, this is how the chinuch goes and explains the idea of revenge, nikama. Why should we take revenge? If, if you have free will, and you have the ability to do some damage to somebody else, then revenge should be a real thing. But the chinuch says, no, everything's ordained from heaven. And the answer is, everything is ordained from heaven. And if somebody, even if somebody goes and uses their free will and puts you in a situation that you are not supposed to be in, at the bottom line is, if you had the merit, you would have been saved. So in essence, we have no one to blame other than ourselves. Everything, in essence, had the, you know, everything was the way that it should have happened. That's the way it did happen. But you did have the free will. And you did have the ability, at the same point in time, um, free will. And you did have the ability, what are we talking about over here? The merit. The merit. Okay, I'm, I'm lost out here. I'm ready three steps ahead of you. Okay. So... That this is now we have to understand the strength of free will. Free will has is so powerful that it could genuinely alter a, per, a person's life. You could change a person's life completely. 
Now, granted, it was supposed to be based on a merit. Of course, everybody's on in equal planes over here. But that's the power, that's the strength uh, you know, of this. And we see over here an example for this in Sanhedrin, chapter 67b. There was a, you know, this is not how the Gemara explains the story. I'm just going to explain it right now. I'm going to explain it in a very modern, comical way. But this is not how the Gemara explains it. But, but to say, there was a woman, a witch, um, that wanted to harm a big rabbi. And uh, through sorcery. So the rabbi was like, what's up? Bring it on. He's like, go ahead. You know, what you got? And the woman went, and, and what, was, what was his thought? The, you know, the Gemara goes and asks. It says, a woman, you know, these witches, they have the ability to go and alter things that were not meant to be. They have the ability to do that. So why would the rabbi going, yeah, bring it on? Why would you? And first of all, don't try this at home, right? Even if somebody right now is looking homeless, right? They're talking to their shoe, um, and you know they, you know, give a curse. You want to just stay if they're like shooting curses out, even if they have a wand, and you just want to stay far away. You don't want to take any chances with these things. So what is this rabbi going and saying to a woman? Yeah, okay, fine. You know what the rabbi says? The rabbi says, "En od milvado." There is nothing other than God. So you can curse me from today to tomorrow. The only thing that's going to happen is only if it's ordained from God. But yet the rabbis ask, "Well, I don't understand." But a person's free will can alter that if a person has it. So it says this rabbi had the merit that he would have been able to withstand it. He had the merit to be able to withstand it. Only things that were ordained from God would have been actually happened. But anything else, not going to happen. Why? Because he was a rabbi that was a level that had the merit to do that. So we see over here something very, very important. That yes, your free will can affect somebody else. To the extent that it could alter that person's life. And that person, it was still deserving for that person to come, to happen to it. These both, these should both answer, you know, uh, clearly. And if it doesn't, then bear with me a few more minutes. And maybe this will give you some more, more clarity. The Ochot Sadikim in Shah Simcha goes and says like this. He says that, I'm going to quote it for you. Remember that no benefit or damage ever occurs from people without the Creator's permission. This does not mean that we cannot affect each other. It simply means that we cannot affect each other without God's permission. So we could affect each other, but there has to be God's permission that's going on over here. Now this is how we can understand many, many aspects of the Torah. This is brilliant. And the more that you understand this, the more brilliant that everything just turns out to be. There's a Gemara Bava Kama that says in page 68, that says that once the permission was been given to a destroyer to destroy... He does not distinguish between uh, between the righteous and the wicked. Which means is if there's a play going on in a certain town, leave. Don't want to use your merits up to go over there. But why? Everything should be preordained. The answer is there's a certain level that that it's it's sort of in the ear over there. And it depends on your merit. This is the idea that um, that people ask, can a person die before their time? And the answer is yes. The Gemara over there in Babu Kamal goes, and if you look at the Mephashim over there, it says that yeah, death is possible before a person's time. If a person puts himself in a certain dangerous place, a person does can can bring the death on earlier than it was meant to be. The Ramchal, and I'm, I'm going to read this, you know, in, in, in the ninth chapter, Misirati Shalim, goes and says like this, there is, appropriate, there is appropriate fear and foolish fear. There is confidence and recklessness. One who chooses not to be guided by wisdom and exposes himself to dangers is displaying not trust, but recklessness. Some people think, yeah, I have... And we're not bitachon. Let's go bungee jumping. You know, you jump off a rubber band and expect it. You know, like again, I'm not saying do it or not do it. I'm not. You know, we're not starting that. But when you're putting yourself in a situation, don't put yourself in a situation and say I have complete faith in God and this is what's supposed to happen. Yes, you're supposed to have complete faith in God and everything that's supposed to happen should happen. But don't put yourself in a situation because it could be that you'll take yourself earlier than you were actually uh, meant to be. Now this is how we understand the Gemara on Shabbat, page 32a. Megalgelin zechut al yedei zakai v'chova al yedei chayav. God goes and brings, brings worthy people, brings good things to the worthy people and evil things to the, the wicked people. The idea is, is that, let's say something bad is supposed to happen to somebody. So, who's gonna be the one? Ah, you could say like, okay, this person stole, Mr. A stole money from Mr. B. It was preordained, it had to happen. 
God said, no, 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 it doesn't have to happen. Mr. B was supposed to lose the money. But who said you have to be the, the messenger? God goes, somebody who does, who wants to do bad. The way that a person wants to go, that's the direction that the heaven decrees upon him. So somebody who wants to steal, somebody who wants to do bad things, you will have the opportunity to do it. God will present you those opportunities. You want to do good, you will be presented the opportunity to do good. It all depends on where you're holding. Stop blaming things on other people and God and no free will. You have the solely the responsibility to do that. And now, that's why when bad things happen, both both parties are really held liable for, for that thing. This person, this side was, it was supposed to happen. This side, who said you had to be the messenger? There could be somebody else. It didn't have to be you. It was never ordained. And we'll explain this soon by the, by, by Egypt. But before we go that, we look at this and we look at the Gemara in Chulin, another Gemara, in page 7b. It says, Adam no A person cannot damage, cannot, cannot even bang his finger over here. Unless it's decreed above, which means this, every single suffering that you get in this world is completely from up above. So how could that be? How could somebody go and give me something that wasn't decreed already up above? And this also, we see over here also in Yosef. When Yosef said to his brothers, this is in Genesis chapter 45, he goes and Yosef said to his brothers, when they found out that, you know, when he says, Ani Yosef, I'm Yosef, my father's alive, they felt really bad. He said, listen, God sent you here earlier so that I could go and I can make sure that there's enough food and, you know, yada, yada, the, you know, the whole story over there. But I understand. Is it, is it free will or is it not free will? Was it predestined or was it not to? We have over here also, you know, another, another pasuk in Exodus, chapter 21, verse 12 to verse 13. It goes, it says, ish If somebody kills somebody, then he's supposed to die. Rashi over there says something fantastic. He says something amazing over here. Oh, everything Rashi is fantastic, but this is something that, at least I, you know, I had, you know, personal enjoyment from it. Uh, I personal enjoyment from all, okay, fine. I'm gonna get, okay. The, Rashi goes like this. It says there was a, what is this case referring to? There were two men who previously killed. One did on purpose, one did by accident. What happened? What did God do? God made a, a scenario happen. There was a person that was under a ladder and there was a person on the top of the ladder. Now when these two people killed previously, they did it without witnesses. So nobody saw and they, you know, they weren't, you know, nothing happened. So what God orchestrated is something else. God orchestrated that somebody would be sitting on the bottom of the ladder and somebody would be sitting on the top of the ladder. And the ladder on top goes and crashes on the guy below and the guy below dies. And this is, was witnessed by two people. Who are the people? The guy on top, the guy who, who went and accidentally killed somebody again, that's the guy who accidentally killed somebody before. The guy who was on the bottom that was murdered, that's the guy who, who murdered somebody on, on purpose. His punishment is, is murder. God orchestrates everything that it should happen to make sure that it's supposed to happen the way that it, that it does happen. Now, this, now, now let's explain the Egyptians and then we're gonna wrap everything up. The, the Egyptians, the question is over here. Was it the creed that the Jews are gonna go to Egypt? To, to Egypt? Answer is yes. We, it says, it says over there, you know, that, that God already promised our forefathers, Avraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, your children are going to go to a strange land. They're going to be tortured. They're going to, everything was already preordained. So how can we punish the Egyptians? It was already meant to be. It was meant to be. It was a prophecy. There, if you have prophecies, how could you, the Holocaust wasn't meant to be? How could we go and punish the Nazis? Wasn't meant, how, all these things are preordained. So how can we punish somebody for something that was already preordained? And the answer is, the answer is, is that even though there was a prophecy that the Egyptians were supposed to do it, it never prophesied which Egyptian was supposed to do it. It never said you were supposed to go and torture this person. The prophecy was there. But it was your free will to go and decide you want to be the messenger or you don't want to be the messenger. But somebody had to do it. Somebody had to do it, yeah. yeah Doesn't have to be you. But then you don't really have your choice because it... You're well, you were able to go to Egypt but not suffer? No, that was going to happen. The suffering was going to happen. But it wasn't... Um, it was going to happen for somebody. One person doesn't have free will because that one person... You could relate to each one. Each one could play against each other. But the bottom line is, they did have the free will not to do it. And they chose to do it. If there is 
no chance, if it's supposed to happen, then there's no chance that, one person, that they're all going to not do it. True. But it, but the prophecy was, that what you're saying is right, but the prophecy was, which, which means it was supposed to happen. So, Egyptian, uh, what's the Egyptian name? I don't know. Aziz, right? Gets up over there. I don't know. He gets up over there and he says, listen, God, what, I was supposed to do it. And God says, no, no, no. You weren't supposed to do it. The decree was that it should happen, but I never said that you should do it. And he says, uh, yeah, but, you know, it was supposed to happen. Be like, okay, that's my responsibility, yeah, says God, not yours. That's true. But that's great for the individual, but if everyone thought that way, then it would never happen. Okay, granted. Then we would have been in a better place, maybe. Or a worse no, place. It, granted, you're right. But everybody is held reliable. Liable for that reason. But then there's no choice. There is. There is a choice. So, there is a choice, but we're basing everybody on a one-on-one conversation over here. We're not basing on, on, on a, We're not judging. God judges. What do we say? God judges people. Single file. Understand. Huh? The point is we'll never understand. Because we can only understand an individual level. That's why the Rambam's, one of the Rambam's answers, my, uh, my opinion, is yeah, the greatest answer. answer. Because something but there's no chance that no so, one's do it. Like, if, 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 what you're saying is right what you're saying is right and it's very smart of you to have that 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 conflict which is true and this is why the Rambam says it but for in an essence we do understand it we do understand the basics of it let's go through you know let's maybe let's open up I want to go through all the questions that we had answer it briefly and then maybe put the you know the you know in in uh in I guess in a little bit of perspective and see if we get maybe a little bit more clarity. Okay. First we ask, do we have free will? And the answer is we do. It's very obvious that we have free will. We're held liable for our actions. Uh, for, furthermore, we need free will. Otherwise, if there's no free will, nothing, there's no point of anything. We're robots, there's no, no purpose of anything. We said also some people do not have free will. And we give reasons mentally disabled for the reasons that they don't have uh, free will. Why do we have free will? The whole, again, the whole point of us being here is that we should have the free will to be able to go and be able to have a connection with God. Anything that we're doing here, there is, there is a need for that. Now, that was, that was the easy part. Now we said, if God knows the future, then how do we know, then how do we have the free will? And the answer is, is that just because God, first of all, God's knowledge is not human knowledge. We only think that we know something, but the easiest answer, and the answer that I'm going to leave you off with in this question is, if I have a time machine, I go in the future, and I know what you're going to do, my knowledge doesn't change your action. You're still held liable for your action. Again, we gave different answers over there, but that's the brief one. We said, why does God test us if God knows the outcomes? God doesn't test us because God is like, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen over here. Eating popcorn and I'm wondering, let's see what's going to happen. You know, God knows exactly what's going to happen. God tests us not for God, not for God to figure out, but for us to realize what our potential is going to be. And can our free will affect others? And we said 100% so. But if our free will can affect others, then is everything predestined? Is everything that's supposed to happen, you're supposed to happen to you? And the answer to both of them is yes. Everything that you have free will that you could change and alter a person's life drastically. Even something that would not have been changed without you. That's how important it was. Um, was this, I think Rabbi Nachman Bessa said this. It says that something, uh, you know, and I'm going to misquote it a little bit just because I'm doing it from memory. The day that you are born, God realized that the world cannot exist without you. That's a phenomenal thing. That We can make serious changes in this world. We have some serious, serious changes in this world. So if we have the ability to do this, this also, we have to realize this does not change anything. And this does not change any concept on things that is predestined. Because everything that's supposed to happen to you will happen to you. Nobody can harm you if you're, they're not allowed to. They are, you know, there is a little bit of an open sea open there. But anything that happens to you means that they had the ability to do it. The greater merit that you have the greater protection that you have, obviously, as well. But free will exists, and everything that's supposed to happen is going to happen. Do you understand that? It's a very, very important uh, yeah, aspect. We're gonna get, I want to do, Bezal Hashem, uh, you know, in the near future, I want to do a Muna series on, you know, how do we understand the Muna? But, you know, but this is a very, very important, uh, you know, concept to understand as is. Now, if, yeah. 
Okay, one more thing. If how could we have free will if everything? How could we get punished for something if everything was supposed to happen either way? And this is the part that you had the questions on, and this is the part that you had. You know, we had some some uh, you know problems with. So. If something is supposed to happen, the easiest way to understand it, the easiest way to understand it is it was going to happen. This person was going to get murdered. He was going to get shot in the head. That's for sure. That's how this person is going to die. But you didn't have to be the messenger. Now granted, somebody else could have been the messenger, should have been the messenger, would have been the messenger. That's, you cannot go, you, you know, you can't go, um, you know, it doesn't work even in this court. Let's say you go and um, uh, you go into a bank and uh, there's a wad of hundreds sitting on the floor, wrapped up, bank stamped and everything, and you go and you pick it up and you leave. Now, I don't know the law, but I, it would appear to me it would be problematic. You know, the security cameras are not going to be like, well, finders keepers, you know, rippers, you know. And then, no, they're going to be like, what's going on here? Why did you take it? And you, you left. And are you going to be able to say, well, if I wasn't going to do it, somebody else was going to do it. They're like, no, that doesn't work that way. You can't, you're going to have liable for your actions, what you do. And that's how we have to realize it, that even though something is supposed to happen, it's preordained that it should happen, you're still liable because who said that you had to be the messenger? So you still have the free will for that. Okay, questions. Shoot them. I guess let's work counterclockwise. Okay. okay. Um, clockwise for you. Think about like uh, getting out of a danger based on that. Like, what about someone, for example, Ari Fold, the man who was in Jerusalem, who was yeah. like he was, you know, big pro-Israel and you know had a Jewish family. Like, what about that? Where like some people were saying that he was protecting someone, that's why he died instead. So when you're dealing in general, whenever you're dealing with those type of sensitive situations, we the real answer is we don't know. We don't know what God's plan was. We don't know the reason. We don't know the behind. We don't know. We we know nothing. That's how much we know. We know zero. We can't those those things, especially um, you know, the, one of the worst things that uh, someone can say in like a shiva house, something like that, in a, in a very drastic thing. Well, it was supposed to happen anyways, you know. At least he did it saving his country. No, that type of person should stop going to visit Shiva houses um, and probably, you know, start practicing. You know, th- there's people that say, you know, silly things, you know, in certain times. There are certain things that we say, we understand this concept in a blanket thing. How we plug this in into a particular state, how somebody died a very drastic death, should have this happened? Could this not have happened? Could he have avoided it? I think it's like based on merit, but like if someone, you know, was like so great, like he was, like why did he have to die like Why did he have to? Right. So again, we don't know the we don't know the reason. Now, when we said that he had merit, this person had would have merit only in a sense if they had if they were signed in in Rosh Hashanah. That let let me let me explain let me explain your question and then let me explain it. So sometimes I I keep on forgetting. Sometimes people tell me on the online world that people don't hear the questions; they just hear the answers. They're trying to figure it out. So the question is like this: Let's say you have a righteous person that died a very very brutally a brutal death. We're not going to use an example, but the example that you used a very recent case. uh, I don't know if the audio caught in there. If it did, it did. If it didn't, didn't. But somebody that, that let's say it's a righteous person did a good thing, always good, had a family, came and murdered you know brutally. Can, how do we how do we answer that in, in this in this type of situation? Can, do we say they did not have enough merit? But he obviously must have had enough merit if he was a very righteous person. How could we say that he didn't have enough merit? So first of all, we have to understand that. Let's look at the books written in the Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. If it was written that this person was supposed to live, nothing would have happened to him. If this person was written that he was supposed to die, merit's not going to help. It was his time. Granted, he went, the only time where merit is going to make a difference is if something is left open. And that sometimes happens. It's left open. It says, God says, for this scenario, let's see. Merit, no merit. It depends on your merit. So this is his situation. We don't know because we're not God judging it. But that will be, be able to give you a little bit of understanding on where you can 
put your focus on and where you can say, like, listen, you know, maybe this, we could say that it was this time, maybe it wasn't, uh, you know, who are we to say? But some clarification. Now, another, like, situation would be, like, what about the case of, like, something happening to a child, you know, uh, like, uh, like sexual, sexual abuse, like, that's a big hot topic, like, in our country. Now, something for a child who, you said, like, they don't really... Like, have free will. Have free will, yeah. but, like, something's happening to them. You know, do they know how to escape it? Do they not know? Does it happen? They let it happen? Like, so you're saying, does the person who abused the child have free will to abuse the child? Like, what are their, the chi- so, like, because it's a child, like, there's an age cutoff for, like, free will, no free will. Is that, like... Well, the child itself... Had no free will, so it's right, so we don't, like, obviously, this is very obvious, we never, any abuse situation, we never hold the child responsible. No matter how bratty or however, we don't. Have, we never hold the child responsible. We hold the accuser, the the person that did it. Now, if your question is, can that person abuse a child without having it ordained? Is that what your question is? Like without having? I'm, I'm really not sure because, like, what's the like? What is the age? Like, what's considered like a child? Okay, they don't have free will to escape it, to fight it off, or like, and what is like they're old enough they should have been able to. Whenever, so first of all, when you're dealing emotional sexual abuse, any of these types of abuses, they're really victims. And even adults that are stuck in this, you can never judge them. They should have fight it off. These, uh, you know, you should never know from these things that. But I've, you know, been involved. These people are, they get so emotionally stuck in a situation, they they don't even have the ability to fight off. Sometimes they're they're just stuck in a very very bad situation, and you need a lot of you know you do you even just need a lot of merit just to be able to fight that off. So it's a very very sticky situation and a hard situation. We can never judge somebody. You know, obviously the people that committed those things have to get. Uh, and by the way, if anybody knows of any abuse abusive, that has to be told authorities right away. There's no like, okay, we shouldn't tell, no, we're supposed to tell the authority, any of these type of situations need to be, obviously if you want, you can speak to your rabbi, but that's what your rabbi is going to tell you. So, yes, can you say that this child was already predestined, that something bad was supposed to happen to him? Yeah, it can be, I, I, only God knows. We, we don't know, the, I could just tell you the formulas. The actual, the, you know, the, the actual numbers that get put in there, only God knows. Nobody could go and tell you, yeah, this was ordained, this was not, this was supposed to be, this was not supposed to be. We can't even, these type of situation, it's not healthy to look that way. It's not healthy, it, what, we have to look at it because you're gonna start thinking things, it's gonna just drive you crazy. The way that we have to look at these situations is a very, very unfortunate thing happened. It happened, we have to deal with it from here. Why did it happen? We could start figuring out to prevent it from happening again, but start judging that person and be like, did you have enough merit? Do you not have enough merit? We cannot do that. We never know. We never know the merit, the love merits of the people and, or, or any aspect of anything, in fact. Any other question? Okay, you had a question. Yeah, um, it's along the lines of merit. I, I understand not um, judging other people because we never know. But for ourselves, like, in. I feel like it's a little bit. I mean, obviously it's not contradictory, but in my understanding, it feels a little bit contradictory to living with Amuna. And because. It, like, like, let's say even like walking around in Israel, you know, walking around in Jerusalem, okay? Safe relatively safe place, like, like, if you, it's, it's dangerous, so what are you supposed to say when, if there, if it's a time, it's a time of, of stabbings, and if it's a time of whatever, like, you're supposed to, like, not go out, or you're supposed to be like, Hashem's with me, like, every bullet has a destination. I hear your question, and, and that's what I was trying to avoid, because it's a very, it's a very fine line, 
and it's not it's not really it's a very thick line but it's hard to grasp that that understanding so if everything is predetermined then you know or if everybody has free will then what is what is amuna and that's why i mentioned specifically that i'm going to make a class on amuna to try to explain this but yeah for living your daily life the more amuna that you, everything is from god let's just let's just start with that everything that happens to you is from god everything there's everything that's preordained. How much money you can make? You know, to we're gonna, you know, I, I plan on you know, expanding on this. This is just part one of free will. We're gonna have to do another part, uh, you know, to go in, a little bit more in depth in this. But to, to understand the idea that a person has free will and everything still happens from God. Now, as conflicting as those things sound, they're both 100 percent solid on their own on their on, on their own standing. So yeah, if you're in a situation where it's you know you, you need a moon, you know. You, I don't know. It's you're in Israel and you're walking around. You have to live your life, and you have to live your life based off what the rabbis say. So, if let's say you go to the rabbis, and a lot of you know, Reb Chaim Kanievsky, they were asking previous words: Should we live Israel? Should we not live Israel? If he says you don't have to leave Israel, you don't have to leave Israel. You have faith; nothing's going to happen to you. Nothing. Well, if he says, if he gives you, and if he says you stay over here, right? Then he says, uh, uh, those are particular cases. And I'll tell you. Um, let's, and I'll give you an example. Maybe I'll let me give you a specific. I had a. Um, um, and this happened many times in the wars. They went over to the biggest rabbi, or one particular person says, my, my parents want me to go back. They're from America, they're going to Israel. My parents want me to go back to Israel. They're nervous about what's going to happen. The rabbi says, one of the biggest rabbis in the world says, stay over here, nothing's going to happen. You stay over there, and nothing's going to happen to you. Right? Not, there's, it's just not going to happen. That's the way. And, you know, I've, I've been to Rabbi Chaim Kineski numerous times. I've heard stories, you know, from him. This guy, you know, Nothing's going to happen. Uh, so there is a level of faith that you, you, you are able to have. Obviously, this is where you go and you ask uh, your rabbis. But if you're, you know, <clears throat> you know, I don't know, if you're skipping rocks in the Gaza border and you're like, emunah, emunah, everything's like, no, you know, once you hit Mahmoud in the, you know, in the head, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to be like, ah, you know, oh, emunah, <laughs> okay, fine. You put yourself in a situation, you're, you know, you can't, you can't put the, but it, even that is still from God, even that. But again, Sometimes it's your consequences. Sometimes it's because of your fault that you did it. You put yourself in that situation. A very hard concept. I, I know. Yeah, like, like even like Israel's like such a specific thing. But like on like a day to day life, like, like this whole class is more conceptual to understand questions. But like, you're still supposed to live with them. We're not You're not supposed to be one hundred percent. Yes. You're 100% correct. And if I didn't make that clear, you still have to live with emunah and faith in God that everything that happens directly is from God. You cannot stop and trying to figure out, you know, maybe this, maybe that. However, where does this come into play? This Because this comes into play not only theoretical, very, very practical, which is why I brought up the chinuch. The chinuch says like this, what about revenge? You cannot, how can you, if someone has free will, then why should you ever take revenge? I know, because ultimately, even if somebody did something to you, the only way they would have been able to do that is only if they were, if they got the okay from heaven, and you didn't have the merit to, to, you know, to have that. So two ways we have to, th- we have to think of, we have to take this two things. Yeah, you need merit in this world. You need merit in this world. You can't, if somebody goes, and I'll give you an example like this. Let's say somebody doesn't want to work. So he sits home and watches TV all day. And we're not from today till tomorrow, they're not doing what they're supposed to. Now granted, maybe God will, maybe God won't, but we can't rely on that. On, on him sending him panasa, sending him his wife, sending him, you know, the husband. If somebody does, you need merit for everything. Everything, you, you could have a munah from today till tomorrow, the greater the merit that you have, the less work that you'll have to do, the more munah that you'll have. Obviously, munah itself is merit. But you definitely need, you cannot live this life without merit. You need schuyot, you need schuyot. This is what you get judged every Rosh Hashanah. But that's not for us to worry about how much merit we have. Uh, we have to worry about becoming a good person. Right. 
we can't start checking off how much merit because we don't know the reward well, for anything. Practically, like what we're really working on is the Muna, not necessarily worrying about our Zuchuyot. It's just about. We're worried. We're working about two things. Trusting that everything is from Hashem. Right. There's two things. Number one, we got to do what we're supposed to do from the Torah, and number two, we have to trust in Hashem. And everything will fall into place. After. Yeah. Uh, before I yeah, we'll get. I'll get to you afterwards. You had also a question. No, I, I have just some things to add. First of all, in regards to what you said, abuse and all those things. So it could be like gilgulim, it could be a tikkun. Yeah. This is all like much deeper things that uh, some things from previous lives and whatever continue. And uh, with the schuyot, also we all always daven. To have a yeah. Right. That's excellent. That's an excellent point. We always need merit, and yeah, the reincarnation. I actually was thinking about that. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring it up. But if you brought it up, so yeah, some people, even as little kids, go go through certain things, and we don't know. We don't know this. It's a very iffy subject, but it could be for a previous life. Now, I'm going to say something. I'm probably going to. Um, you know, not the best for people to, easiest thing for people to understand, and we don't understand this thing, but it could be, and I'm not saying it's always like this, somebody that gets abused as a child, it's very possible in a previous life that child was an abuser. Now, I'm not saying that automatically happens. There's many, many, you know, factors that come into play over here. So we can't say that every child that gets abused is their fault because that's what's happening. We don't know. But I'm saying it is possible. It, it, we Only God knows. But the ones we know that everything does happen for a reason. But at the same point in time, everyone does have free will. And back again. Okay. And you had a thing? But thank you very much. Excellent, excellent points. You mean, do you have, do you have some lack of free will? There is, there is. Because some people... Yeah, it's true. And even there, there you know, and now in Asia, there's a lot of uh, emotional instability. So there's some people that at one point in life can have free will and another point in life cannot have free will anymore. They sort of snap and they go through something. And, you know, I don't want to get into it, but the whole thing with suicide, does a person have the free will? Isn't there in the right mind? There's a lot, there's a lot, you're right, there's a bit wide spectrum. And that's why we don't judge. We can never judge. Only God can judge uh, for these things. Isn't that a point where we kind of have to accept kind of the biology and the science kind of like the, the man who kind of wandered into this room before, before we started or the man we saw outside? You know, there's a gentleman I see a lot during Shabbos, like kind of wandering and screaming at the sky. Like, is it because they have had no free will their whole life, or they did, and then something happened? It's possible. It, regardless, whichever way you look at it, we can't judge them. We don't know. But and there's no nobody is to step in and like help guide them. Like, of course they should. Right now, no, no. Of like, course you should help. You shouldn't be like, hey, you know, this is New York. I'm not <laughs> seeing anything. <laughs> don't see, don't tell. Um, you know. It's like somebody who gets shot and is a witness. They're like, I saw nothing. You know, like, you don't worry about anything. You know, and you robbed him. Whatever. Do what you got to do. You know, no. I mean, obviously, you try to help, you know, as much as you can. You know, especially somebody who doesn't have the free will. Especially if somebody in that situation. But what I'm saying is you cannot judge a person because you don't know. No, you don't wanna, I mean, that's a little wrong to judge them for that. But it's like, so is it our... Now it's our free will to like help, help them. Like, yeah, that's true, and that's why you know, the, you know, a lot of these situations you see people that are not a hundred percent, maybe ninety, ninety-five, maybe eighty. I don't know, depending on how you rate people. Uh, but you know, for some people, everybody is fifty percent. Um, but uh, you know, it's incumbent. And those people, they come and they're talking to you, and you don't want to talk to them. 
because they're going to, you know, just tell you their life story and you're not interested. But, you know, what will be right, and again, obviously, if you're able to, is, yeah, they need, you know, what you're doing something is you're utilizing your free will to help them just by listening or guiding them or whatever it is, of course. And you should. You should do that. Any other questions? So, there, so it's an excellent point. So when you put yourself in a dangerous situation, you can use up your merits. If you put yourself, so you, you will get saved, but you'll use up your merits. Maybe I'll speak about this more in detail on a different thing, but that's when you put yourself in a situation, not if somebody places you in that situation. Now you will it use it up, per se. I don't know. I mean, this is not tapping up. This is not like uh, filling up in gas. But I'm saying, like, we don't know. Be like, all right, I'll do this bad thing now, but then I'll do a really good thing tomorrow to, you know, know increase my reward. I know I did this, and now I'm in this bad situation, but I, I know I can do that, like, I don't know how many more times, and then, like, well, the first, could someone use that rationale? Because then, oh, it's going to sound like really I had more merit. Um, if I got myself out of the situation with merit, then. I don't think I'm following it, but I'll tell you like this. You use merit, oh, let's say you have this much merit and you use it up so then you could get that much. Are you allowed to do that? Oh, okay, I hear what you're saying. So, um, in short, the answer is no. And I'll give you a, a basic, uh, you know, you cannot put yourself in danger to, you should not put yourself in danger to save somebody else if that's what you're asking. Now, this goes on, this is not, this is not for a topic now, but like, let's say, um, you have a, somebody puts a gun to your head, sew off your leg or, or I'm going to kill this person. You don't have to sew off your leg for that. But if they say eat a cheeseburger? You eat the cheeseburger. Uh, but if they say about that, you don't. Okay, that's right, right. So that's where we're going. Yeah, that's right. Okay, also with the love and the fear yeah. that you were saying, but what about the concept of Stockholm Syndrome where someone ends up like loving your captor or whatever it is, then they do end up loving them, but initially they were terrified of them because, like, I'm captured. In, in no normal sense is that real love. That might be fear and awe and might be honor or like that, but there's no love. There's no... You cannot love somebody unless... But granted, it could come to a certain point that they, out of their free will, they decide to love that person for whatever twisted reason so it could be. Well, that's a very twisted situation because, um, but you know, and and I have to look at it more from a scientific perspective or more from a psychological perspective. But I wouldn't say that that's real love, just off the top of my head. I don't know. Nothing is black and white, except for paper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I got okay. Okay, I guess which go same time. And no, I was kidding. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I'll go. She's gonna wait anyways. <laughs> no, I was saying yeah. Yes. They don't get judged. They do get judged. They do get judged, but not to a lesser extent. So they do also have free will. Non-Jews also have free will. Yep. Same, same, same thing. Same way affecting Jews, the same way affecting Yep. You have a question? Or off camera. Any other questions for on camera? Any other questions? Yeah, I have a question. Okay, that's what I want. Maybe people are on... Does it say anywhere clearly in Torah that animals don't have free will? Um, does it say anywhere? You're talking about a pasuk straight out, like, like is it, and the I animal. Assume, I think that people like assume that. Like I naturally assume that, but like, is there somewhere I can source it? 
<laughs> I can back Where's the citation? Um, it's, a, it's an environmental thing, such as yeah, because because schedule, it's like they're trained to think this way at some point. Yeah, people will defend. Yeah, the source is this. It's a base of Bereshit, chapter 1, verse 29. Um, the Ramban, Nachmanides over there, goes and explains it. And he says, and he says over there that, um, he says like this, he says, Shabale uh, nefesh, you know, the, the animals, they have a little bit of, of, I don't want to say free will, but they have a little bit, of, they have the, they have elementary free will. They have the ability to look for food and, you know, look, you know, when to, you know, to run from pain and death. So, but there's an elementary thing. But the source of that is the is Rambam and Achmanis in Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. I don't know. If they're in the mood of Bambi, I think they're going to go for something. I don't know. I don't, I've never tasted the meat, so I can't. Any, so does that answer? There is instinct, but there is a little bit of a, like a minor, minor elementary, almost like nothing of a, of a free will. Like sort of like what you speak to, like a, you guys deal with angels, but for, you know, different topic and stuff. Any other questions? Okay. Hazakabal. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.